Next time I'll try knitting. A recovering alcoholic's opinion about life, sobriety and stuff. Lights down, bums on seats, silence please, on with the show. Welcome to the third part of a series exploring what the ChatGPT neural network has to say about sobriety, the 12 steps and other means of getting sober. A neural network is just a fancy way of saying I'm using a search engine that talks back. And this week, ChatGPT goes into denial. But first a recap. In the first two episodes, we covered the choices we can make for recovery and what can happen when we don't. Which brings me on to denial and let's face it, denial is an out and out killer. There's no beating around the bush on this one. The biggest challenge we face is breaking that wall of denial that keeps us in addiction. And let's touch on the 12 steps for a moment. The 12 steps have a concept of an obsession with and an addiction to alcohol. In the previous episode, I looked at both concepts via a neural network's view of the world. And guess what? The conclusion I came to was that we condition ourselves to want more of something we really don't need. But why do we do this to ourselves? This is where denial comes into the picture, so I asked ChatGPT about the subject, and this is what I got. For alcoholics, denial can serve as a way to avoid facing the reality of their situation. It can also help alcoholics maintain their addiction by allowing them to rationalise their substance use or to shift blame onto others. Additionally, addiction can cause changes in the brain that affect a person's ability to make rational decisions, making it even more difficult to acknowledge that there's a problem. You know what? That's just true. I shifted my blame onto others, I denied I had a problem and at the same time was progressively drinking more and more, thus rewiring my brain to want more and more. Alcoholism as a progressive illness, anyone? Sounds that way. But aside from an obsession with alcohol, aside from the addiction to it, aside from rewiring our brains, aside from consequences, the misery, the loneliness, the despair, and that's just from friends and family, let alone us, we pile one deadly word on top of all of that lot. And that's denial. That's what kills us in the end. And on that point, I got quite a lot of confirmation from this answer from ChatGPT. Denial can be very strong and persistent in the sense it protects the individual from the discomfort of having to face unpleasant or threatening realities. Denial can also be reinforced by social and cultural factors, such as stigma and shame around addiction. In some cases, denial can be so strong that individuals continue to engage in addictive behaviours. In other words, denial will kill us unless we do something about it, which leads to one inevitable conclusion. Denial has to go. And then think of this. In episode one, I discussed the huge variety of recovery options available. So choice was never our problem. Medical intervention can seriously ease withdrawal symptoms. So assistance was never the problem. So why do we carry on in denial then? Well, here's another word for you. Change. That's our second biggest problem. And we use denial as a way of avoiding change because, well, we're afraid of change. We don't know if we can change. We don't know how we will change. We don't know. We don't know. Until the magic day arrives when we try and we find it works. So either we change or we die. We accept or we deny. And if we don't change, we're done. Good night. But how do we get to that jumping off point? The point where we decide we have to change? Well, combine rock bottom with a few other things and there is a solution. And I'm going to discuss that in the next episode. Until then, keep living. One day at a time. Next time I'll try knitting by JJ Chan. Another episode will appear soon, like a bus, and mow you down when you're not looking. Bye.